Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond, number 568 for October 20th, 2018. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchats with Programming by Stealth, installment 65 of X. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine. I'm really looking forward to this one, actually. It was... We're now getting to the stage in Bootstrap where it's just all fun and cool stuff because we've done we've done all our homework. Like we, you know, we we've learned all of the utilities and we've learned all the background stuff, and now we just get to have fun. Nice, nice. Well, I actually uh, I did my homework and it worked. And I know this wasn't Excellent. a really hard one because it was a whole bunch of let me just steal off of Bart's paper, but it's still good to have the practice because I do stupid things. Like for the longest time, my button wouldn't do anything. And I was like, you know, I kept checking all my open and closed parentheses here and there and, you know, all of the semicolons and everything. And I had never closed the script tag. So, you know, oh, that might make a difference. Now I will remember to go check to see if it's because I forgot to close my script tag. So anyway, and, and having the repetition that you gave us so many different fields to, to put in for the send somebody an email. Um, mm. that, that showed me, okay, wait a minute, here are the elements that are always the same. Let me copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste, and then let me change it. Okay. That's how that's different from this. And sometimes I get kind of tangled in them when we're just typing one, you know, but when you see mm. the pattern, I think that helps. Yeah. And then the other slight extra complication above the copying and pasting was that I asked you to make it look good at all breakpoints. So I'm guessing you had to do a little bit of tweaking with your various, you know, call dash whatever's. Yeah, it wasn't too bad though because um I sort of, well, I don't know if it counts as cheating, but you remember uh uh Dorothy and I went off the reservation and stopped playing mm. with the recipes and made our our PBS index page and I had yeah. I had diagrammed that out quite carefully and so I had a picture of where it should go and what order it should be in depending on which breakpoint and and so I already had those all figured out and and documented so I was able to go back to my own documentation and say okay I want this to come in fifth and I want it to be in this column and I want it to be this wide at this width and so it was pretty easy okay cool I saved future me Excellent. So there we go. You're discovering the the power of documentation. Yep. It really is important. Yeah. So what are we going to do this week? Okay, so our topic for this week is going to be something called an input group. So this is another bootstrap component. So again, this is something that doesn't exist in basic HTML. It's a bootstrap invention, but it allows you to make your forms more powerful more human-friendly and prettier. Now, if that isn't a win-win-win situation, I don't know what is. <laughs> you know, I, when I was searching for the answer to something I was working on, I got this answer, and I'm, I'm looking, and it's in W3 School, so it's real, and I'm looking, and I'm going, mm-hmm. oh, man, let's just, oh, I got to do all that. Oh, wait a minute, this doesn't say bootstrap on it. I'm in the wrong place. And then I found the bootstrap. I'm doing raw HTML. I'm doing all my own heavy lifting, inventing all my own wheels. <laughs> yeah, and I went, yay. Yeah, bootstrap is great. Uh, Before we do that, of course, a quick look at the homework. Like you say, it was largely a copy-paste job, particularly actually the first one, the inline form, that really was, because I believe the example I used was actually a login form. Yeah. And I asked you to make a login form, so that's very, very Mm copy-paste-ish. The only small difference was I asked you to also create the click handler. Um, But again, rather by the book, you have a document-ready handler, which contains the dollar function for looking up the actual button with its ID and then another click a click handler then on that and that's sort of all you had to do really now you did a window.alert and is that one mm. is that the pop-up window one a window.alert is what did you use I just used a regular alert that's the same thing but a window.alert is explicit and alert without the window in front of it is sort of hoping the browser figures it out for you so we haven't been using window.alert in all those examples that you did where we had, you know, clear all these, clear all of these things. I don't think so. Cause I copied and pasted from there. Or from W3 schools. No, no. I, I brought up, I went back to the, whatever I started in the PBS index, uh, that Dorothy keeps for us and, uh, that everybody should be using cause it's amazing. And, uh, anyway, I went in there and found where we set those things up and I copied and pasted. So I don't remember, I I could be wrong, but I don't remember seeing window.alert before. Well, I just searched my own website for window.alert, PBS 35, PBS 34, PBS 24, PBS 22, PBS 20. Okay. That's a year ago. That's not in, not since we've been doing the bootstrap ones. Right. But this isn't bootstrap. This is No, I know. I know. But in your bootstrap examples where we created buttons and we had alerts on them. 
Remember we did all the alerts where But you... that was that was a bootstrap alert. That was a little that wasn't So you used a bootstrap alert, not yes. a Yes. Oh, that's fine. Sorry, bootstrap alert. That's a whole different thing to just the function alert. Sorry. Okay, I then I don't know what used... you made. <laughs> so well, I click you're... on it and you'll know. It's raw JavaScript. I can't click on it and yeah. know anything. Well, well, you can open the page. Okay. Oh, you mean from the download? I'm looking at the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. No, I, I mean, I believe you, but we haven't talked about that in, uh, like I said, 30 episodes ago. That's a year. Yeah, so and and your crazy. recent ones were all, why would you why would you not use an alert from Bootstrap? Why would you not use our well, because it doesn't shiny? actually pop up, so it wouldn't be nearly as visible. Yeah, I, the reason I was noting that was because I was thinking, you know, mine didn't do a pop up, and I would have rather that been a pop up. But it seemed pop y was the subject. But I went uh, I went looking in Dorothy's index for pop up, and I couldn't find anything. So it's probably it's under an earlier alert kind of thing. Yeah, it would have been very early JavaScript because before we discovered jQuery, the only way we could make JavaScript talk to us at all was with those pop-ups. Okay, so I can just blame Dorothy because Alert only finds the bootstrap alerts in Programming by Stealth Index. <laughs> Good to go. Yeah. So we need to rebuild our index, which is just what my Mac happens to be doing right now, actually, because I had to reboot unexpectedly. Oh, nice. Okay. So, But, but as I say, very much what I wanted to know, though, is I was looking for something like exactly like what you just did. Oh, perfect. So it's window.alert, and there's window.confirm is the same kind of thing, but it has two buttons, a cancel and an OK, and it'll return true or false, depending ah, on whether you... I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a so little win- bit more what we wanted here. And can yeah, you still... So window.alert is, is just basically, I am telling you something, and you have a button to make it go away. Okay. And window.confirm is for a question. Okay, and uh, can you still inject a close button into that in the same way we have been... Uh, no, there is no injecting anything. It's it, when you say window.alert, a pop-up will happen, and that pop-up will stay there until the user closes it. it it's very, how very you... basic JavaScript. Oh, but that's what I'm saying. We we normally inject that close button. How does it get a close button? It's it is a built-in part of the feature. When you call window.alert, you get okay. a OS-level pop-up with that's a kinda, button. That's kind of interesting. That with alerts in Bootstrap, you have to build your own close button. But without right, because alerts, but alert and bootstrap is entirely within the web. You're not leaving the web with a window dot alert. You're leaving the web. You're into the browser. Okay, so it has to have its own built-in thing. Got yeah, got yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're asking the browser to tell the user. You're not telling the user yourself. You're sort of you're handing it over to the browser. So if you're in Firefox, it will look completely different to if you're in Chrome. It will look completely different if you're in hmm. Safari because you've actually said, "Dear browser." And whatever operating system you're using, I want you to alert the user using your native mechanism. Yeah. Whereas with J- with jQuery and Bootstrap, you're you're entirely contained within the little little world of the browser, right? You're you're you never leave the browser window. It's it's pure HTML. Right. Right. And okay. JavaScript and CSS. Yes. Okay. Well, I'm so glad that I is asked. actually a total difference, all right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Then the second one was just to um, do a share form, and I didn't specify what layout to use. So I'm curious which of the four different ways we could lay out a bootstrap form did you choose? I did I think it's the horizontal one I was not in the mood to do, deal with the grid a lot <laughs> so I did a horizontal one As did I because to be honest that's the right answer 99% of the time Oh okay, okay I mean think about it, most forms are you know, what I want next to where you tell me you know, it's, Right, I just gave you a little picture of my form in the discord chat I did have one question there um Okay. Was it? I I did get a little bit tangled when I was looking at the um, text area. Oh, maybe that was the one I did figure out that in Bootstrap it was slightly different. That's what. That's probably what it was. Yeah. No, I I, I got it ciphered up, and I made my messages funny. So when of course you I did. hit send email, it says no one wants your email, and the login form submit if you dare, and then it says you're too trustworthy. Like you just gave me your your password. Username and password. Yeah, you don't Fished! know who I am. Exclamation point. <laughs> exactly. Cool. I don't think I was quite as snotty as that. <laughs> I'm shocked. Um, and that kind of, uh, you know, the, the only small subtly then is I spent a bit of time working out my different breakpoints. So I basically had my um, 
my form inputs were always just class equals call, so they would basically take all available space, and then I only adjusted the width of the labels. And in the end, I ended up with call SM5, call MD4, call LG3, and call XL2. And that worked. Okay. But again, that's just trial and error stuff at that stage. Yeah, yeah. So the only shortcut is using call on its own for the inputs, because that way I don't have to match them up to 12. Just let, right. it, you know, let it take care <laughs> no of No math required. Well, I made mine exactly. so it, it, uh, it has different, it moves to a completely different location when you change sizes. So when I'm yeah, because when I'm, of course it's in a grid, yeah. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm fully narrow, it's the uh, last thing before the footer, and then when nice. I'm at medium, it jumps underneath uh, the pictures of you and me, and then when I go full width, then the pictures of you and me go to the right, and it moves up and under to the left. So it's in three different locations because I'm just that amazing. I'm impressed. That's some <laughs> that's some proper responsive design going on there. I know, I know. Um, one interesting thing about the PBS index, uh, because I was I, part of what I've done is I've stolen a little bit of the index and made it in this this little uh, web page I've created, and I noticed mm. that my uh, code runner was highlighting something in red, and I was like, what, "What's it mad about?" And uh, Dorothy's script had uh, had an error in it, and every single ahref said. Uh, uh, bracket a space bracket a href so it was in there twice and yet it, and it's been that way since she wrote her her pearl script and all of the web browsers and everything's just gone oh i knew what you mean it hasn't thrown yeah web errors. browsers are too forgiving and yeah. that can cause other glitches actually sometimes because your dom isn't quite right and that can bite you on the backside from time to time yeah so you would never think to go back and look at that because well that was working just fine that can't possibly be the root cause right so yeah she was annoyed too that it should have thrown an error to her yeah yeah that is uh, you know our browsers being kind or cruel by being so forgiving yeah, 50 <laughs> yeah okay so new stuff yay we are going to look at input groups um their main function in life is to enhance text input fields. But as Bootstrap has matured, that they've grown a bit. So now they can also do drop downs and buttons. Um, but they're still called input groups because that's sort of where they come from. Um, initially, they were only for the input tag, but now they're also for text areas as well as text boxes. So the name isn't great, but, you know, most of them you're going to see are going to be on a text box. So I guess it's okay. Um, the way you need to think of a button group is sort of the sorry, not a the way you need to think of an input group is the same way you think as a button group. When you're designing your form, an input group is treated as a single thing. So an input group is no different to a single drop down, or a single button, or a single text box when you're laying out your form, right? So if you're using your horizontal layout, it's you treat it as if it was a single thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. So like the way a form group is a single thing. Right. So, okay. So form groups contain a label and the thing that's being labeled. Right. So an input group will still go inside a form group because it's replacing a single text box. It's not replacing the form group. Okay. I'm getting tangled. Okay. So a form Uh, group might have a label and a drop down. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, a form group could have a label and an input group. Okay. How is th- or a label and a text box? So how is right? this so the different input group than... is behaving like a single thing? So uh, this this actually is one of the things I got confused on was I was looking for input space text area, but it's just text area class equals form control. So yes, if... text area is a separate HTML tag to input because someone thought that was a good idea back in 1980 something. Okay, good. So I was right to look for input class equals text area, not fi- but not find it. So I was looking for the right thing. It just doesn't exist. It's just not how HTML rolls. Okay, because that would be sensible. Okay, we don't do sensible. Okay, in good. HTML. That was exactly that was the thing I was saying. Oh, I guess I w- that was just where I found it in the wrong place. But no, that was what confused me. But so I've got a form group and it's got a label in it and it's got a text area in it. How is an mm-hmm. input group being a text area different than having text area inside of a... Okay, because the the input group can do extra cool stuff. But I'm saying the input group replaces the text area. The input group does not replace the form group. Oh, okay. The input group behaves as a single thing. But it's a subset of a form group. 
it's, it can be a part of a form group if you're using one of the layouts that needs form groups, right? If you're doing an inline form, then you can have an input group without a form group because inlines okay. don't have form groups. Mm, I'm right. saying whatever way you're laying out your form, treat the entire input, the, sorry, treat the entire input group as if it was a single thing. Okay. I'm, I'm just so a little if you're bit doing confused because we form, have inputs already and input groups are somehow something else. Yes, an input group is basically a way of grouping lots of inputs as if they were one single clever, cool input. Okay. So, uh, you know the way a button group turned two buttons into one button? Yeah. This turns a few things into one input. Yeah, I wish form groups did that because then I th- that's what I thought they did, but I guess they don't. <laughs> no, form groups group the parts of a form together. So okay. a label and its matching thing and its matching help text, they are one unit, so they're grouped into a form group. Okay, but they don't group lots of labels with lots of inputs. But an input group would group a bunch of inputs together. To make one thing out of it, to yeah. make one thing. Okay, all right. I promised to ask yeah. that question again later. Yeah, so as I say, later. there's your hierarchy. Yeah. There's your hierarchy, yeah. Okay. It is a bit confusing, the, the this bootstrap terminology, because this is not standard HTML, right? This is things bootstrap is making up. So they're making up the words. And they bootstrap are better about being consistent than the people who wrote HTML because HTML was written by committee over many years, but they're not perfect at it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe they can't be. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so ultimately, what input groups, the way you should think of input groups is you have one or more inputs at the heart of the input group. They will always be in the middle. And then you have a prepended add-on and an appended add-on, and you can have one or zero or one of each. Okay. So you might have a prepend, you will definitely have at least one input, and then you might have an append. Okay. Can I ask okay, and we what call problem bi- that's going to solve? Or is it too early uh, to ask? It will solve many, many, many problems, which okay. is why we have lots of examples. It's a very generic solution, so I know I can't tell you that. It okay. doesn't solve a right. problem. It solves many problems. So, And I've very carefully chosen my examples. So... You can have one prepend, zero or one prepends, and zero or one appends, but you might put multiple things into your prepend and multiple things into your append. Oh, come on. But that doesn't count as being multiple appends or multiple prepends? It doesn't, because when you're writing the HTML, you're going to have one div class equals input-group-prepend. Okay. And one called input dash groups as append, and you cannot have two. Okay, but there can be multiple things inside those. All right. Exactly. Okay. And so we call those add-ons. So you have a prepend add-on and an append add-on, and then you put stuff inside the add-ons. Okay. Um, the simplest thing you can do with these add-ons is add some text, which will be very nicely prepended and appended to the input area. And you can use that for all sorts of different things, one of which is you can use it to replace traditional formal labels. But if you choose to do that, which you may do particularly on inline forms because it's nice and compact, if you choose to do that, do not forget about the visually impaired. You absolutely must continue to have an accessible label as well as the visual stuff you're going to do with the input group. Right, and you have the you have the same three choices you always have. You can have a traditional label with the class s or dash only to make it invisible to the to the visual. Mm-hmm. You can use aria dash label to just give it its label right in place, or aria dash labeled by to connect it to a label somewhere else on the page with an ID. I sort of wish there weren't three ways of doing it. Because I'm always like, well, which one am I supposed to use? And it's because there's really three ways. Yeah, but when it comes to, like, it does make your code much nicer because in some situations your code will be nice and simple if you do use one over the other. So I actually like the three options. I think the three very sensible options. It might be good to have a little table of the three of those together. Did you already tell us that of the three different ways of doing it and why you'd pick one over the other? Um, I think we discussed it when we talked about ARIA as a whole. Yeah, um, that also was a year ago or more. <laughs> it was so the important. Yeah, so again, we're practicing, right? Which is yeah. why I keep on mentioning the Aria stuff because the only way it really makes sense is to do it. 
Yeah, I don't think it's definitely not cemented for me yet, which the benefits of the different ones. I just sort of end up using whatever one you used in your most recent example. That's my strategy. Well, the only benefit is what you like, right? So as a mm. developer, you may find that just it's less scrolling up and down and less typing to use one over the other. They're, oh, they're okay. no different from a screen reader's oh. point of view. So there's no okay. benefit to the actual blind person. Okay. So the only thing is basically your preference. I find typing ARIA labeled by is really hard, trying to decide how many L's are in it and stuff. <laughs> so oh, it's not just me. I have a text expander <laughs> snippet for that now because I'm tired of getting it wrong. Well, lab- and labeled by, it just, yeah, it's it's hard. So I like label four. That's the one I like. Okay, the, well, then just then use the label four. Yeah. Right. I mean, really, there's no difference in terms of their effectiveness. The only difference is what you as a programmer like. Okay, so that's good to know. I'll go stop, with your gut. Stop remembering all three then. <laughs> yeah. You're going to see the others in my code because I jump between them as I feel is appropriate. Okay. Okay, so the first thing is that your input group is going to be contained within a tag. And you can use any tag you like. But 99.9% of the examples you are going to find both on the Bootstrap website and the internet in general are with a div. Okay. And you give that tag the class input-group. Okay. I'm trying to find where we and are then in the show notes now. I thought I knew where we were. We are just, we are, we are in the very last sentence of Bootstrap input groups. Ah, there we go. Okay. So say that so one more time. So the whole input group gets wrapped within a single tag of your choosing, mm-hmm. as long as it has the class input-group. Okay. All right. And usually it's a div. All right. doesn't have to be, but usually. So inside that wrapping tag, you are going to always find at least one form element, probably either an input type equals text or input type equals number or input type equals email or something like that, or text area you're going to find some sort of way for the user to do something because otherwise you don't have an input group. You just have something weird, right? So that's going to be in, inside that wrapping tag. So in, and then it may con- are, are only for text? You don't put buttons inside input groups? <laughs> Primarily <laughs> okay. for text. Okay, for the- That was why they were invented. They have okay. expanded. That's the problem they were trying to solve, though, to start with. That's the problem they were trying to solve, and then they realized that you could actually... There are value to allowing buttons too. Okay, but, but let's the buttons focus are on secondary. The text. Okay, yeah, the buttons are assistive, not primary. Okay, all right. So if you want to have a prepend, then you add into your input group a tag of your choosing with the class input dash group dash prepend. Again, normally a div doesn't have to be a div, but it's normally a div. Okay. And there's also shock and or horror input dash group dash append okay. to the other side of your text area. Amazing. Or you're I would never have guessed that. Amazing. So if you decide that the thing you want to have in your add-on is a piece of text, you need another tag inside there, which has to have the class input dash group dash text. It can be any tag you like, but traditionally it's a span because it's sort of a more inline thing. Hmm. Okay, and that's the only mandatory one. It's not mandatory that it be a span. It's just mandatory that it have the class input-group-text. That's what I meant. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So that all sounds quite complicated. So big picture, you have on the outside something with the class input-group. The next thing you will meet, so the first child of that input-group is something with the class input-group-prepend. Then whatever it is that you're putting stuff before and after, so input type equals text maybe. And then something with the class input-group-append. So that's your top level view. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You said the middle one different. The the one mandatory thing was input-group-text. You said something else. Input dash group dash text. No, that's not manager. That's if you want to have text, you need to give it the class input dash group dash. Okay, text. then I don't know what that is. I thought that was the actual thing that we were putting in the group, and that the the prepend and no. append were the the unmandatory ones. No. Okay. So if you want to put text inside your prepend or inside your append, you give it the class input dash group dash text. Oh. Oh. Okay. We're still. We aren't even to the actual thing yet. We're still on the append and prepend stuff. Right. Well, the actual thing itself is exactly like it normally is in HTML, which is why we're not going to be focusing on it at all. It I don't is... know what it is yet. 
I, I don't input know type equals text input type equals number input type equals email text area you're a normal text box a normal input or well tech okay no i got you okay yeah all right again i'm hoping that examples will make this clearer because it's hard to describe in the abstract when you see it you're yeah. just gonna go, oh yeah that's really cool Okay, so last time, now now that I know what we are talking about, input-group-ppend, input-group-append, I know what those are. What is input-group-text for? It is for putting text inside either the prepend or the append. So what would happen if you didn't put text into the pre... What would be there if you didn't put text in there? Uh, maybe a checkbox, maybe a button, maybe a dropdown. Okay, okay. All right, and they As don't we'll see later. Input. But the they easiest thing to put there is text. Okay, they so don't need an there. input dash group dash button or or anything like nope. checkbox. No, okay. they they just get to go straight in. It's just the text needs to have a, a wrapper around it. Okay, all right. I know that was a slog, so, but you got me there. Okay, good. So let us give a simple example of how this can make your form easier for a user to use. I am always confused when I'm presented with a text box that says, enter your Twitter username. Do you just want Boo shots or do you want <laughs> at Boo shots? Right, right. Well, if the at sign was prepended to the text box already, I would know you just wanted Boo shots. Right. Or it couldn't. you could also do it as like the, the uh, placeholder text had the at there, then you'd know. No, because that would tell me the exact opposite. If the placeholder text of the ad, that would tell oh, me you right. wanted at to be No, I'm shots. saying it would tell you what they wanted. It, it wouldn't tell you the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, but the thing is, the placeholder vanishes as soon as you click your mouse in. Right, right. This is a much is, better I mean, yeah. it's what you need, because otherwise it isn't a placeholder. But it's it means that if you use a placeholder to convey too much information, you could be snookering yourself, because as soon as the user tries to use your UI, the placeholder vanishes. And why not type the app for us, jeez? Right, exactly. So let's do that in a very nice way using a prepend. Okay. So this is a row out of a horizontal form. So div class equals form group form dash row. We have our label for the way Alison likes it. Mm -hmm. Twitter underscore TB class equals call SM3 call dash form dash label Twitter handle. So that is a normal label in a normal row in a normal horizontal form. Nothing different yet. Right. Div class equals call. Still nothing different yet. We've always had those in our horizontal forms. Now, for the first time, we meet something new. Normally, on line four, you would say, open angle bracket input type equals text. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or text area. But now we're saying div class equals input dash group. So we are now starting our input group on line four. And the input group continues to line nine, as you can see from the comments. So the first thing in our input group is our prepend. So div class equals input dash group dash prepend. The yep. only thing inside our prepend is a span with the class input dash group dash text and the whoppingly long string at. <laughs> the at symbol, right? Yeah. The at symbol. Okay. So then we close our prepend. We add our text box like normal, input type equals text, class equals form control, ID equals Twitter underscore TB, placeholder equals Twitter username. So right. a by the book to input. Then we close off our input group because we only want to prepend. Yeah. Right. And then our form continues as normal. Small class equals form dash text, text dash muted. If you'd like us, if you'd like us to. Ooh, Oh, acknowledge your donation with a tweet. Enter your Twitter handle. Yeah, but the the audience doesn't know this, but this is a form to allow you guys to give us money, is what he created, which I, I'm a, in favor of this form. I was going to say, it's a pretend form, which has a paragraph at the top, which links to the actual places you can actually give us actual money. <laughs> if, you, if you like it. Yeah, just, just in case, right? Just in case, yeah. Yeah, so it's a pretend donation form. Right. And hence a bit of help text, which I thought, you know, we may as well make this a bit more realistic. So we add in the help text. So we're getting a very realistic form. So what does that look like? Well, what you can see from the screenshot is we now have a very pretty little prepend on our text box. Yeah, it's beautiful. It just shows the at symbol always there. 
Nice little gray box. I think that might even be rounded if my eyes aren't deceiving me. Yeah, yeah it's, rounded. it's, it's subtly eye. rounded to exactly the same extent as the as a normal bootstrap text box would be. Yeah. I think they're very pretty. Uh, but of course, it doesn't have to be just text. You can say input, you know, you can say input group dash text and give it an emoji or a glyph icon. Hmm. So why don't we put an append on with the Twitter logo? Okay. So exactly the same code, but instead of ending our input group after the input, we add div class equals input dash group dash append, span class equals input dash group dash text, and then we pop in the glyph icon for the Twitter logo. And hey, presto, we now have both sides of our input having a little icon on them. One of them is the at symbol, and the other one is a nice little Tweety Bird. It really is pretty. Very pleasing. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I should say all of these examples are in a, a, the file pbs65a.html, so you can see them all you know, live yeah, in the flesh. Yeah. Uh, another very common thing that these prepens and appends are used for is to help people enter a currency amount where you're, you're making it clear to them, I want you to enter the number of euros to the nearest euro. And the way you would do this is your prepend would be the euro symbol, and your append would be dot zero zero. So then you've already made it clear that all I want is the whole number. Right. And right. then to help them even more, you can now say input type equals number. And then it's, you know, the browser is going to nudge them into typing a number as well. And so all in all, you end up with a very, very clear form. Yeah. You know, so it just, it yeah, looks good. Yeah, that is kind of neat. I, I'm I'm concerned about your form though. Uh, he's got a donation. It says euro, and and the placeholder is five. But then it's got an up down arrow. But as soon as you start to hit up, it changes it from five to one. Yeah, because that is a placeholder. Maybe I should have put the actual value equals five instead of placeholder equals five. Yeah. <laughs> work on that, Bart. We want five euro, not one euro. You don't want to give him the first option is to go to one. You want him to go up. That is a fair point. <laughs> that is a fair point. All right. Um, now, you can use a text add-on to replace the label. Tech but again, yeah. if you choose to do that, remember the blind or the visually impaired and use one of our appropriate methods. So in this case, I've decided I'm going to use aria labeled by in my code example. So for my code example, I'm going to prove you can have a text area with an add-on. So in this case, the add-on is to enter a message to go along with your donation. So again, this is a complete row within our form. So div class equals form dash row containing div class equals call form dash group. And then we immediately begin our input group because this is going to be a full width text area with with this little helper, okay. yeah, with this little prepend. So div class equals input group. Div class equals input group dash prepend. Then we have our usual span class equals input group dash text, but now we're giving it an, an ID as well. That and then we, we have the actual by. label. Yeah, exactly. So then we can connect to it from the labeled by. It's mm-hmm. spot on. So then we just say message, close our span, close our prepend. Then our normal text area class equals form control placeholder equals your message, aria dash labeled by equals message, the ID. Then we close out our input group. And what we then get is a text area with a label nicely adjoined to it. Yeah, so I'm trying to figure out. I can't see what's actually done differently. I mean, I know that you did an input dash group dash text. So I'm still, I really want to know what that is. But that was just, okay. So it looks like it's in the same place as where the at symbol was. You typed message instead of at. It looks the same visually on screen. It is the same. Correct. It is the same. It is a prepend that is of type text. It is now on a text area, so it's stretching over multiple lines. And it is now behaving like the label, right? And the other one, we had donation and then the euro symbol. In this case, the thing inside the input group is behaving as the label. Oh, so you're just saying you just didn't do a label. That's the only difference. I'm using that as the label by using the aria labeled by so it is a functional label that is going to work without using the label tag yeah i don't follow what 
So this this is where I was hoping to suddenly see the the light of what input dash group dash text is, and it just looks exactly the same as the at symbol did when we did. Oh, it is the same. Correct. Thing. It is the same. Yes, okay. absolutely. So why is this a it second example? What's the the only difference is you didn't put a label. You put the label as the uh the yes. Little so it is a hammer. Group. It is always a hammer. I am now using the hammer to nail in a nail. Last time I used a hammer to straighten something. Okay. It is the same thing. I'm using it in different ways. Okay. Like, Yeah, it's the same tool, right? It looks the same because it is the same, but I'm using it differently. So I'm using it as the label with the ARIA labeled by. Whereas in the previous example, I was using it as help text. Okay. Yes? Yeah. I mean, uh, it is uh, different. Uh, the, uh, the at symbol is just help text. This is now the label. Right, right. I get that. Um. I think you're trying to overcomplicate it. It really is as simple as it looks. It okay. is an input with a nice little bit of text prepended to it. Right. And you can use that nice bit of text as help or as a label. But it is just an input with a nice bit of text. But it really isn't an input. It's just, it's a, it's a, because it's not something you type into or push or anything. It looks sort of like a button, but it isn't really. It's just, it's just information on screen. It's just yes. it's so actually a box. The input group as a whole, the input group as a whole is the thing you can type on and its appendages. Yeah. Okay. And the appendage here is no different except that it does it acts as the label as well as as being the append. Or exactly. Pre- so we're, we're we're using it pre-pend. to do a different job, but it is the same thing. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's yeah. basically a very versatile tool. Okay, But it's even more versatile than you think because we don't have to put text into those prepends or appends. We can put other form elements in there, actually, even. So one of the things you may see is a radio button or a checkbox. Now, I don't really know why you'd use a radio button, but a checkbox is actually quite common because sometimes you need to opt into something. So you may say, I want your website, but I may or may not want to put it on the thank you page. So you could have two separate fields in your form, one asking for your email and then another one or for your URL and then another one saying, and may I use it? Or you could combine the two together into one nice input group. And to add a checkbox into your input group, you extremely confusingly have to put it inside an input dash group dash text. <laughs> and Thanks, this is Bart, the one I... bit... Now I totally understand. <laughs> well, this doesn't make sense to me because we'll see later. This is not true for buttons or drop downs. This is only true for, oh, for radio on. buttons and checkboxes. Oh, come on. It, well, it, there was something else where radio buttons and checkboxes were weird. I but they kind of are weird. No. They're just weird in HTML in general. So I'm just sort of used to them being oddballs. Okay. Because they were oddballs in our horizontal forms, they were oddballs in our default forms, they were oddballs in our inline forms, they're just oddballs. Okay, so just always remember, when you go to checkbox or radio, you should go look at the documentation. <laughs> That's pretty much how I roll, actually, yeah. As soon as I type input type equals checkbox, I go, okay, let's go check. How are you weird today? <laughs> What am I working on that's going to be wrong because you're doing it wrong? Okay. Exactly. Okay. Now, in this case, there's no real logical place to ever label this input. Its meaning is visually clear. But visually clear is useless to the blind. So this is a case where you're always going to have to do one of your three tricks. And in this case, I would argue that aria-label makes life so much easier. You just say input type equals checkbox, aria-label equals OK to publish. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can see it makes nice, neat code instead of having a separate tag somewhere else with an ID that you didn't have to connect to. In this right. case, it's just, just label it in place. Yeah, yeah. I do have and so what you end up with is it says HTTP, not HTTPS. I hummed and hawed about that a lot. The HTTP sites redirect to HTTPS. Sites that don't have HTTPS, they don't redirect back to HTTP. (laughs) Okay. I did actually hum and haw about that a lot because I knew you'd pull me up on it. (laughs) We've been doing this too long. (laughs) Okay, so... We have. have. So our input group, in this case, contains a prepend. So div class equals input dash group on line four. And then we have div class equals input dash group dash prepend. For no reason that makes any sense to humanity, we then have div class equals input dash group dash text. 
Then finally, we get to have our input type equals checkbox. We close off our input group text. We close off our prepend. And then we have our normal text box. Input type equals URL, class equals form dash control, placeholder text, the usual stuff. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I've also added an append because it's pretty. So div class equals input dash group dash append, span class equals input dash group dash text, and then the uh, glyph icon for the globe because that's generally accepted as the icon for a web page for reasons... I guess they make a little bit of sense, World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah. And then we close everything off, and then we continue our form as usual with a piece of help text. If you'd like us to include your website when we thank you on the show, please tick the box. Nice. Now, does it make you also type it in? Oh, you get yeah. Okay. Well, if you don't, I mean, it's optional, right? If you don't want to plug. Right, right. So we basically have a checkbox a text box, and a nice little logo. So again, it's a very, it's a text box, but it's a text box plus plus. Yeah, it's pretty. Now, you can only have one prepend and one append, but each time we've done something in the prepend or the append, we've had to wrap it in a separate tag with the input-group-text. Right. And the reason is because you can have multiple mm-hmm. input-group-texts in the prepend and multiple in the append if you want. So you can only have one append, but that one append can contain multiple things. And you can only have one prepend, but that prepend can contain multiple things. So we could update our example a little bit by having an extra piece of text in front of the checkbox. So we have div class equals input group, just like before. Div class equals input dash group dash prepend, just like before. But now inside our prepend, we have span class equals input dash group dash text and the word plug, followed by div class equals input dash group dash text containing our checkbox. So there are two input dash group dash texts inside one input dash group dash prepend. Yes? Yeah, yeah. That makes followed sense. by the input, Oddly followed by the sense. append. Yeah, excellent. Okay, good. And then you see it says the word plug, tick box, and then the text. To be honest, I don't think that actually looks good, but it shows you can do it. Yeah, it's a little little bit ugly, but yeah, not too bad. You can also have multiple inputs within the same input group. Hmm. So an example I'm going to use here is for your name, your first name and your last name. You can't sort of assume that a space is where the first name ends and the last name begins, because that's not how all names work. So why not give it as two text boxes so the person can decide for themselves where they want to break their name? So if they're Van Byron or something, they can put two in the last name box. And if they're a two-word first name, they can put two in the first name box. And that's why I have three separate text expander snippets. One that says Allison Sheridan, one that says Allison, one that says Sheridan. (laughs) There you go. So in this case, what we're going to have inside our input group is um, input-type-text, form con- class equals form control, ID, give it an ID. And now, again, we have to label it because we now have two text areas, uh, two text boxes, but they don't have labels as such. Yes? Right, right. Because names is actually a description of the whole thing together. It's not actually a label for first name or for last name. It's actually a label for neither. Right. So that's why we have to have aria-label equals first name and aria-label equals last name on the two inputs. So the screen, so our input, the screen reader wouldn't read the, um, the uh, what do you call it, the um, placeholder text? Sure, but that's not in keeping with the aria rules. You would not, yeah, okay. if, you were a go, if you were working for a government site, it is not acceptable to use placeholder text as the label for a screen reader. That would okay. not get you your certification to meet the WAI guidelines. So there must be a reason that that's stupid. So we will do it the right way. Yes, because must placeholder be text is an example, not a label. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, that's a good point. I mean, they serve yeah. a very, very similar role. Yeah, they're close, but they might be different. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're both helping you, but they're not the same. Right. So, yeah, so in this case, we again, we're using the aria-label, nice and quick, do it all in one. So we basically have div class equals input group, then we have an input, then we have another input, 
And then we have div class equals input dash group dash append, where we just have a little logo that's showing a person. Okay. So this time we have an input group consisting of two inputs and an append. Right. Hmm. And you could imagine for credit card numbers, you might have a prepend that's like a MasterCard logo or something. Or maybe a prepend that's a dropdown that lets you choose between MasterCard and Visa. Oh, right. Then four inputs for each of the four parts of the credit card number, and then an append that's a little credit card icon. I mean, right. you can go nuts with this. Yeah, right? yeah. And then the other thing you can have, I've just mentioned there, is a select. So in here we have an example of... Now, the, the interesting thing is to make the select work in here, you add it straight in, just like you would the input, but you have to give it a special class, custom-select. Hmm. And that's because to make it look right, Bootstrap really has to change how the select... Like, it's a very customized select to make it work within an input group. Okay. And at first glance, you're not going to believe me that it's very customized because when it's not collapsed, it looks pretty normal. So the first screenshot is pretty normal looking, right? So we have uh, basically a drop down to let you choose the frequency of your donation. Right. And in the uncollapsed form, when it's default monthly contribution, it looks pretty normal. But when you click on it, that's not how it selects normally look. Right. It's very stylized. It's dark gray. It's got light white text on it, little rounded corners. Yeah. Because a normal default HTML select would never connect nicely with the prepends or the appends. It would, it would, it, you have these weird joints. So basically, Bootstrap had to reinvent the wheel. And the way you opt into this very customized select is by saying class equals custom dash select. I have to say, I've got myself in a funny situation here as I'm looking and and trying to see the differences you're talking about. Um, In Mojave, one of the things you can do is change your highlight text, your highlight color. So I've I've Ah. just been messing around with it. Every couple hours, I've changed it. I'm trying to figure out which one I like. And I had it set to red. So when I tap on that, monthly contribution is highlighted in red. Now it's purple. I had it green for a while, but then I thought that everybody didn't have uh, iMessage. (laughs) Because yeah. I click on people and they turn green instead of blue. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in the right place, but everything looked wrong, so I couldn't use green. Okay, and is, it, is that an accessibility feature? Uh no, it's just general preferences, just system preferences, oh, general. And uh, yeah, it's 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 very odd, but yeah, they've got one, two, three, four, eight colors you can choose from. Even gray. Maybe I'll try gray for a while. That's very minimalist. Yeah. John Gruber would like that. Yeah. I can have black and gray and other gray and other gray and other gray. That's very John Gruber. Right. So anyway, your point was the select is the select again is a drop down, right? It's a drop down. And the only thing to remember is you can pop it straight in there. You know, div class equals input group select. But don't forget the class equals custom select. What will it look like if you forget? A mess. Okay. <laughs> so you'll know right away if you if you forget, right? Yeah, if you're, what you're expecting is a pretty little thing like, like like we have here in the show notes and what you get is a mess, that's probably why. Okay. So again, in this case, we've just added a little append, which is the glyph icon for a camera. Or not a camera, a calendar. Right. Oh, for monthly. Nice. Yeah. So basically, our input group contains two things, a select and then an input-group-append. And you could have a prepend as well. It would work fine. Nifty. The other thing you can have is a button. And I'm going to say, I'm just saying that now. You don't do any special markup. You just put the button in. Hmm. You know, nothing different. And I promise you an example, but please wait a moment. (laughs) Okay. Before I give you an example of of a button, Mm -hmm. I'm also going to tell you that input groups, just like button groups, come in three sizes. Default, SM, and LG. Okay. And you only have to do that once, which is basically on the input group itself. You say, you know, span or div or whatever you're doing, class equals input group, space, input, sorry, class equals input dash group, space, input dash group dash SM. And then the entire input group will shrink. Or input dash group dash LG and the entire input group will grow. So once you've done that, you don't have to remember to do it on every single thing inside the input group. The whole thing just scales as one. Which is nice. You know I'm going to change that, right? Just to see what it looks Absolutely. like. Absolutely. <laughs> By all means, too. So there are only three sizes, right? So it's small, default, or medium, and then large. So dash SM and dash LG, entirely consistent with button group. Oh, okay. A very common example for wanting to do this 
is a search box. Because what you want in a search box is somewhere to type some text and, and a button to say go. And why does it need to be separate things? Why can't it all just be one nice, simple little unit? Well, it absolutely can with an input group. So what we have here as our example is an inline form containing exactly one thing, an input group, which contains a nice little search icon as a prepend, a text box, and a button. So if we look at the markup, I just decided to use a paragraph. So P, role equals form, because we're good ARIA people. Class equals form dash inline. So we're choosing from our inline form style from last time. And the only thing in that form is one input group. Span class equals input dash group. Space input dash group dash SM, because I want this to be a small little search box. Then inside our input group, we have a prepend first. So span class equals input dash group dash prepend. Our prepend contains just one piece of text. So span class equals input dash group dash text. And it contains a little uh, search icon. So a little magnifying glass, a little Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> the next thing we have is our actual text box. So input type equals text, class equals form control, placeholder equals query. And then immediately, because there is no other obvious label here, aria label equals search text. Then we have our append. Span class equals input dash group dash append. And then straight into the append, absolutely no faffing about, <laughs> button, class equals btn, or button, as I say, <laughs> space, button dash secondary. Um, the bootstrap docs like to use button dash outline dash whatever in input groups. They like that look. It actually does look quite good, but I, I prefer my button solid. But again, entirely up to you. Any of the button classes will work. And then search dash, you know, whatever you're having as the text, in my case, search site. And the result is what you will recognize as a very common design pattern, a little magnifying glass, a place to type and a button, all as one nice little self-contained unit. Yeah. That's pretty cool. And that is what input groups are for. So on the one hand, they don't do very much. They just make your inputs nicer. But on the other hand, they make your inputs nicer. (laughs) And more importantly, easier for you to actually... They make it easier for the user to understand what you, what they want without having to think about it. It's, it's a really nice way to provide in-context help and also to make your forms more compact and powerful by having your search button connected straight to the search field and so forth or having a little agree checkbox connected straight to whatever it is you're agreeing to. It's just, it's a nice way of making your forms that little bit more pleasing and that surely is good. Yeah, you know, we were talking before we started recording that Bart sat down and hammered this out in an afternoon and that it flowed really well. It really does flow well. And the and the way you've given us the little chunks in the show notes that just say, okay, this one little piece, just concentrate from here to here. And you can see the results of it. And uh, yeah, it's it's really nice. I got to ask you, how much does it bother you that the uh, zero zero for the donation amount, the little little box it drew is not the same size as all your little favicon boxes? Mildly, but basically they'll stretch and grow depending on your text. So I guess if you want them all to line up, use one single icon everywhere. <laughs> well, I wonder, could you, uh, you could put some margin maybe on the, uh, on the favicon or on the little favicons. I'd probably be inclined to use style equals width colon, whatever, if I was to force them to be a certain width. Yeah. Okay. Because it's bugging me, I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Well, you can you can poke away if you like. Um, so, a challenge then. Um, this one is very quick to write. Take your homework from last time and make all of your inputs nicer. Ah. I will allow you to interpret what that means. Dorothy hates it when you do that. <laughs> she says, well... Yeah, because now you've got to be creative. Right, she looks at it and she goes, mine looks fine, I'm done. <laughs> Okay, please use at least one input group so you get some practice. (laughs) Ideally, an input group, lots of input groups, because like you say, it's quite a repetitive form. Right. Both of them are. In fact, both forms, so the login form and the contact form, or so the share form, both of them make them as human-friendly as you can based on what you've learned today. Okay. All right, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so I just realized I thought I had my show notes finished, but uh, the final thoughts currently say to do in all caps. <laughs> so that just means next week. We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen next time. 
Well, the thing is, I know. I just forgot to type it. So yeah. thankfully, I can I can wing this one, okay. um, and I will then type it into the show notes. But basically, we're this has actually been the penultimate installment on our first look at forms. So the only thing we now have left to do. So we've learned how to lay out our forms. We've learned how to take text input. We've learned how to do buttons. We've learned how to do drop downs. We've now learned how to group our inputs into these little input groups. We had our button groups last time. So we know how to take information. We know how to lay out our form. The only thing we haven't covered yet in in Bootstrap Formland is Bootstrap's really nice support for form validation. Oh, okay. So that's the last piece to do next time. And this is one of those places where Bootstrap gives you so much for free out of the box that will just make your web forms oh so much more human-friendly and all that, you know automatically turning a very pleasing shade of green when you first enter text oh, or good. turning red if you get it wrong. And and it does it in a very clever way. So if you haven't entered anything at all, it's neither red nor green. But as soon as you get it right or wrong, it, it then develops an opinion. You can have help text appear or disappear depending mm. on whether stuff is currently... So you can basically have, when they get it right, you can have like some sort of happy thank you message appear. And then when they get it wrong, you can have a useful actually know what I want it is. And they'll just appear and disappear automatically. It's just, it's 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 nicely done. It gives you really professional looking, you know, oh, this website's really well made. And it's all for free, which is why I love Bootstrap. Right, right. I love it. I love it. That sounds really fun. Before we close out, I would like to mm-hmm. leave uh, like a time capsule Easter egg here for someone. This week, okay. so, so we are in October of uh, 2018. This week, John, mm-hmm. T- John Tiftikian sent us an email saying that he's working through programming by stealth, but he's only up to episode 24 right now, which means 41, let's say he takes a week each, 41 weeks from now, nearly a year from now, he's going to hit this and hear us say, hey, John, how's it going? Yeah, hey, John, thanks for your email. Um, (laughs) It was nice to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was interesting because John said something I, I, I that totally surprised. Well, it, the first time I heard it, it totally surprised me, but I've heard it quite a few times since. It's people who say, oh, yeah, I've been a hobbyist programmer for ages, but I love programming myself because I'm learning so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm starting to think that I'm the only one who started from pretty close to from scratch, right? <laughs> then again, even then, where is scratch? Yeah. Because if you've ever used automators, that count as scratch? Yeah, because yeah. you've been thinking oh, about no, putting no, no. one foot in front of another. But I didn't start using Automator and, and doing my little uh, fancy pants tricks until you tickled me with programming by stealth. I don't think. I think it was after that. So, uh, you've been using Automator for years mm. because it's drag and drop. Yeah, but I didn't really. I every time I ever wanted to do anything, it ended up saying, "Oh, you're going to need to write a script," and I went, "Ah, never mind," and I made Dorothy do it. So uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> But uh, anyway, I just thought it might be fun to give John a little shout out there that, uh, that uh, okay, John, here's your job. A year and a half from now or a year from now, when you get to this episode, you have to send us another email. <laughs> and we'll have completely forgotten and we won't remember what you're talking about whatsoever. We'll be very confused. Yeah, but it'll be fun. Joker? <laughs> um, but didn't you do Fortran 77 and Watt 9 or something? Yeah, Fortran 4 with Watt 5. That's true. Technically, I did, did write my master's project in 1978 in that, but uh, I, I couldn't, I can barely spell it now. So, yeah, it wasn't technically from scratch, but pretty darn close to it. When did Fortran change its naming scheme? Because Fortran now names itself by the year it came out. So the, I think the latest one is Fortran 90, <laughs> which is 1990, by the way. Well, this was four years after I finished using a calculator. Uh, I'm sorry, using a, a slide rule. So we're talking, you know, paper scrolls and rocks and, and uh, stone tablets. I must learn how to use a slide rule. I, I feel I don't need one, right? I have a calculator. I have an iPhone. I have an Apple Watch. But I feel... Like you should. Nerd, I should know. I should. I, I can use a sextant, but I can't use a slide rule. Now, that would be an wrong. interesting experiment. Maybe I should read up and remind myself how to do it because I haven't done it in uh, you know, 40, 50 years, whatever. Uh, and then I teach you to use the slide rule. How's about we keep that in our pocket for some week when Bart fails to write show notes but needs to record with Alison? <laughs> well, I better get learning in the meantime, right? I, I have my father's <laughs> slide rule, so uh, you'll you'll have to invest in one. I believe there are apps, ironically <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh, so you can have a virtual slide rule on your device with a perfectly functional calculator. And I don't care, I still want to do it. <laughs> 
All right. Well, uh, I think we have definitely uh, jumped the shark here. We should probably close out the show. We probably should. So uh, until we next speak, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.